0: Good morning, Community Church. Good to see everybody here this morning and in Alma and St. John's and online with us today. I want to ask you a question, but you have to promise me if you came with someone, you're not going to look at them when I ask you how to answer, okay? Has there ever been a time in your life when you said yes and you wish you'd said no? <laughs> or has there been a time when you said no and you wish you'd said Yes. The Bible is very clear. It says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We're in our third week of going against the grain with the life of Jesus Christ. Radical teacher, amazing individual who is God, but he turned the world upside down. And We saw in our first week together that He was introduced to the world in his public ministry through the work of John the baptizer. John the Baptist baptized Christ in part against his own will, but he knew he was commanded to do so. So John said yes, and he did what he was called to do. You may remember that the Spirit of God then came upon uh, Jesus at that moment, and he said, this is my son. whom I am well pleased and the Spirit then led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil but he was victorious through those three statements of temptation and he began his ministry you see Jesus had said yes to the Father he had said when that council of God met in a time we don't even understand and it was decided that God would create man and he would give man this opportunity at life as an image bearer of God himself, he knew that man would fall into sin. He would choose to disobey God, but God is so gracious and merciful that he made the choice to send his son. And when he said, I'm going to send you, thinking that may be how it happened, that Jesus said, yes, I will go and seek and save the lost. I will go and establish your kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. I'll bring it to earth. Yes, I'll do these things no matter what it costs me because he understood obedience to the Father's will. And so his public ministry begins. And where did he start? In the synagogues. He would go into a synagogue, and he'd be given the privilege of a visiting rabbi to read the scripture or to speak in reference to a scripture. But he was a little different, because every time he touched the scripture, something came out of his mouth that the people had never heard before, that they didn't understand. And then he begins doing the miraculous. People are healed. Demons are cast out. This is an an amazing time. And in one of those sessions, guess who is sitting there? There's a young man, a fisherman, by the name of Simon Peter. And Simon sees, he hears, he doesn't understand, but he is really enthralled with this rabbi, Jesus. And so after one of these encounters, Peter says, would you come home with me? And I'll feed you this afternoon. And they go to Peter's home and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Now, I don't know if Peter didn't know how to cook or whatever, but he knew he was in a dilemma because here's his sick mother-in-law who usually provides everything in the house. And Jesus went to her and she had a fever. He rebuked the fever. The fever left her and the Bible says she got up and she began to serve them. What an amazing thing to invite this guest into your home and to have this, the beginning of things that Jesus would do. Sunset comes. The crowds have heard about Jesus. Many have followed him from the synagogue. And he is continuing to do what he does. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. It's an amazing time to be present with that. And now night falls. And Jesus is certainly getting tired because he's been doing this all day. But he continues through the night, and as the sun begins to rise, we're told that he goes off to a place by himself. Now, you and I know, because we've read other parts of the Scripture, that Jesus spent a lot of time praying. He wanted to be in constant communication with the Father so that he would understand exactly what it was that he needed to do and get done. Well, in this case, he goes off, but the crowds won't let him alone. You can imagine if you and I heard that someone was at Lake Isabella and there were healing people, that we would say, I think it's time. We're going to cancel church. Let's all go out there if this is in fact Jesus doing this in that day and age. And so they did. They just, they flocked and they flocked. They just continued to come and we can understand why. So Jesus is there, and the lay of the land at Lake Gennesaret was very interesting because it was almost like an amphitheater, like a a stadium setting where the grounds just rolled up from the lake, and the lake was flat down here. So Jesus is there, and he looks at the crowd, and he sees two boats over here, that are probably anchored, but they're right at the edge of the water. And he goes over and he gets into the one where Peter happens to be seated. Now they have been getting their nets back in order because they fished all night. They didn't catch anything, but they fished. And as he's sitting there, Jesus understands something that Peter didn't know, and many of us didn't know until today, and that is that, do you know that sound travels at 1,500 meters a second over water, only 340 a second over land? So wasn't he wise that he got out onto the water, he had him row out a little bit, so that when he would speak, his voice would go across the waters and up onto the land, and the people could hear every word he said. Now, he took the style of what's called the peripatetic teacher. That is, the teacher sat and everybody else stood. I like that idea. <laughs> but that's the way he did it. So he, he sat down in the boat. Let's read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, the first three verses. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, Listening to the Word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. What did he say? Better yet, your question is, how long did he preach? (laughs) I'm not sure what he said, but in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew captures a few times that Jesus is preaching, and he's almost always preaching about the kingdom of God, about the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is in your midst. And he's speaking of himself also as the king. Now picture Peter is sitting in the boat. He's rowed out a little bit into the water, and he's listening To what Christ is saying he's heard him speak in the synagogue but he's still absorbing all this information and we know this it would have been a radical message it would have been a message that penetrated the hearts of the people and I'm sure contained in that message would be thoughts like this don't follow the teachings and traditions of men don't become religious I want you to have a relationship with me I really believe that was the approach that Jesus was taking it was radical he was opposing Jewish theology here he was bringing a new idea turning upside down everything else that was happening in the religious world but he understood that he did not want them to depend upon rules. He wanted their yes to be yes, but their yes to be in relationship to him. Now, let's imagine Peter's thinking, just imagining it. He had... Gone to the synagogue yesterday, Taken Jesus home that evening. Jesus was fed there. Jesus continues to work, but Peter has to go to work. And so he fishes all night, and the next day he's coming in. It's time for him to get everything prepared for tonight's work, but it's time also for him to go home and rest. He's tired, but he's hearing this message, and it stirs something in him. He's not real sure what he's listening to. He doesn't give a response to what he's hearing. He does what you and I do so often. When we're hearing the Word of God, we want to evaluate it. We want to calculate what it means. We want to reason our way into an understanding. That's hard to do because you and I are called to believe by faith in order to understand. Don't try to reason your way to God. Peter's a little conflicted because when God is speaking, if you say no to what he's asking of you, you will never know what you're going to miss. If you say no, you'll never figure out what you missed. But if you say yes... You will be so excited that you didn't miss what God does in your life. Peter knew that Jesus was different. Obviously, he was more powerful and more amazing in his communication than any rabbi he'd ever seen at synagogue before. So here they are in the boat. Jesus has spoken. Peter has rowed. Jesus has Peter right where he wants him. Jesus has you right where he wants you. He puts us in these settings, situations, places, predicaments, because there's something he wants to say to us and do for us. Luke 5, verses 4 and 5. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, and that's Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Jesus does the unpredictable. Peter probably thought, well, he finished, we're done, I can row in, you know, everything's ready for tonight, I can go home and get some sleep. But Jesus says, why don't you row out a little further into the deep? Now, back to Peter. (laughs) Here's Peter's thinking. All right, wait, wait a minute. In the daytime, fish go deep to get away from the heat of the sun. In the nighttime, they come to the surface. And then when we cast our net... The net doesn't go all that deep as we draw it in. We can't get to the bottom. We didn't even catch any fish last night, so there are probably not any fish around right now. You think he was thinking that? All the excuses that I can come up with to keep from doing what God says I should do. But then, I'm smart. I can reason my way out of this situation. But Peter is also smart, and Peter is saying now, I did see him do some miraculous things, and he's had some powerful words. And, wow, he, he healed my mother-in-law, so maybe it's okay if I'm a water taxi for Jesus. I'll do what he wants me to do. So he says, you know, nevertheless, but I'll do it, Lord. I'll, I'll row out, and I'll cast it out there. Peter is exemplifying how you and I deal with God in our lives. If we could ever come to the point of simply listening to what he says, and in that quiet time, in that silence with God, ask him to really explicitly tell me, what is it you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? And then say yes, let your yes be yes, because if you say yes, you're bound for an amazing life. If you say no, you have no idea what you missed. So in spite of all the truth that Peter thought he knew about fishing, and maybe, maybe he was thinking this. He didn't say this, so don't ever say I said he said this. <laughs> but maybe he thought this. Yeah, look, I'm a fisherman, you're a rabbi. I'll do fishing, you do rabbi. But instead, out of respect for who he was sitting with, not understanding totally who he was, he cast the net. Luke 5, verses 6 and 7. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full They began to sink. So now we know that what happened was miraculous. That Jesus, in his domain as the creator of all the universe, that he simply spoke to the fish and said, it is for this purpose that I have created you. Come forth. And now they they couldn't handle the numbers that have come forth. There was a tension in this conversation between Jesus, who is God, and Peter. There's always a tension between you, me, and him. Why? Because he's the sovereign king of the universe. He created all things. I am a creature created in his image. He loves me. He loves you more than anything else he ever created. But still, there's a tension. I'm standing in front of God. And God is speaking, and I'm questioning? You know, there's really no room for questioning because you'll never know what hangs in the balance when God speaks. Has He been speaking to you lately? One of the great illustrations in Scripture is that of a man named Abraham, one of the patriarchs, one of the early people in the history of the Bible. And Abraham is working and his family is all together and he hears from God and God says, Abraham, I need you to go to a place, leave where you are, and I'll tell you where you're going after you leave. Now, wouldn't you question that? What do you mean, God? I got to pick up my whole family and everything I own and move. I don't even know where I'm going. But Abraham said, yes. And then God said, I'm going to give you a son. And that son is going to be the one who establishes my kingdom. Through his line, the kingdom of God will be established. But Abraham was light on faith. And so Abraham and Sarah decided he would just have a different son and see how that worked because he was tired on waiting on God. And when he's 100 years old, And Sarah laughs at the idea, God brings forth their son. And Abraham reluctantly said yes. But then a couple of decades pass, and God says to Abraham, now give me your son, your only son, the one whom you love, taking him up on a place that I will show you, familiar words to Abraham, and there sacrifice him to me. And in the scriptures, there's no hesitation on the part of Abraham. The Bible just skips from that statement to the next statement that says this. The next morning he rose early and took his son and the servants, and they headed toward that mountain. Why? Because Abraham understood the power of yes, the power of hearing from God and responding in the positive, not even understanding what it meant, but having enough faith to believe. And that faith was counted to him as righteousness, not because of something he did, but because of the one in whom he believed. Peter was just beginning those early baby steps of believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And every time he took that little step, more faith was poured into him. And more of the miraculous acts of God began to surround him. What do you lose if you say no? I know what I would have lost because I said yes. And so I have the joy of 49 years of following Jesus Christ because he's leading. Of all of his blessings and his mercies and his faithfulness and his deliverance, his healings. I've seen them over and over and over. I've seen them in my life, the life of my family members, the lives of people all over the world where God has sent me. I've seen this. What a faithful God we have. That's why my life verse comes from Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. If it were not for his loving kindness, we would be consumed. But every morning his mercies are new. Great is his faithfulness unto us. I am so glad I said yes. And it was a reluctant yes. Because I didn't want to make the changes that needed to be made. But that's what I would have missed. You don't want to miss that. Nothing measures... Nothing I could have achieved, because I've achieved nothing on my own, but nothing I could have done apart from Christ would ever measure up to what he has done for me, with me, and through me. Peter cast the net. He, he looked at the fish coming into the net. Can you imagine that surprise? I fished all night. This didn't happen. What's going on here? And then he looked at Jesus. Then he looked back at the fish. and back at Jesus, back at the fish. You know, he's realizing... He's not just the God who can cast out demons and the man who can deliver people from sickness and illnesses of all sorts. He's the God of the land and the sea, the God of the creatures. He can speak and fish will obey him. Here's the fear that must have gone through Peter's heart. If he knows fish, he knows me. See, he knows you. The silliest thing Adam ever did in the Garden of Eden was try to hide from God. How do you hide from someone who made everything you're hiding behind? We can't hide from God. You don't want to hide from Him. He loves you. And He wants you to be involved in His world, His way. It's very simple. Luke 5 8. When Simon Peter saw this, meaning the fish and everything that was happening, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man. I'm in the presence of holiness. Not only do I see him for how holy he is, but I see myself for how unworthy I am to be in his presence. Now that's not self-deprecation. I'm not putting myself down like a false pride. But I, like Peter, recognize that I was born in a sinful state. And I will continue to have that nature of sin in me though Christ has been victorious over it. So I stand in the presence of holiness even though I'm not qualified to stand there. He has qualified me. He has qualified you through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why you can stand in his presence. That's why we are not slain for who we are. Peter's really glad he said yes just to casting out a net to catch fish because it changed his life Jesus loves you as much as he loves Peter and one day in the boat changed his life this radical unusual powerful man from Nazareth was beginning to change the world because of his approach because he went against the grain Later, Peter's faith being full, he writes to us two letters. And in his first letter, in chapter 5, here's Peter's instructions from the boat. Verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that what he did at that moment in the boat? He humbled himself before the Lord. He cast his concerns right in front of him, and Jesus blessed him. It's time for us to get really serious about how we are dealing with Christ There was a young woman, her name was Christina. She was a perfectionist by admission. And she said, the problem with perfectionism is that you know you're not, but you keep striving after it. Now, I have a few quotes here from her that I want to share with you because it really sets up what God wants to accomplish today as we walk against the grain. Christina said this. See, she she went to the university. She was an unbeliever, but she had a roommate who was a believer. Dangerous mix for the unbeliever. She said she kept inviting me every Thursday night to this youth group thing that met. And I didn't go. For over two years, she didn't go. But she said, then one night, I finally said, all right, I'm going to go. Here's her quote. At the event, I sat opposite a girl who was giving her testimony with the group. I'd never heard anything like it. I didn't understand a lot of what she was saying, especially the part about Jesus. I hadn't thought much about Jesus before that day, other than looking at him on a stained glass window outside our local church. I didn't know He was the Son of God, and I certainly didn't know what dying for our sins meant. But what got me the most was her story of life change. She once had felt as lost and lonely on the inside as I felt, and now she felt peace. I couldn't stop thinking about that. And then the most painful and oddly beautiful month of my life happened. Good began slowly and painstakingly, and God was revealing to me the depth of my sin, literally the worst nightmare of any perfectionist. I saw for the first time in my obsession with perfections my constant comparison game with those around me, my selfish ambition and cruel tongue. He brought me to himself in his perfect way and timing until I couldn't refuse him anymore. So on my bathroom floor... I was brought to my lowest point crushed under the weight of my sin I prayed God I cannot do this anymore Jesus take my life make me yours I want to be yours God loved Christina enough to patiently walk her through this entire process but I'm struck by her roommate who invited her into the boat. I remember the phone call that invited me into the boat. I remember my pastor calling and saying, I missed you today in church. And from that day forward, my life turned around. Are you in the boat? Have you invited anyone into the boat? And today's the day to recognize. That if you say yes to living the rest of your life with Jesus, that you will be blessed beyond your imagination. But if you say no, you'll never know what you missed. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come into the boat. Jesus will meet you today. If you say yes, you'll be blessed. Let's pray. Lord, there are some here today who are at the water's edge who haven't come yet into the boat. And we pray for them, Lord. We invite them to join you because you are the most gracious of hosts. Lord, wrap them as you did, Christina, in your arms. Help them come to a point of understanding their sin but mostly the forgiveness that you offer for that sin Lord bring them to the point of saying Jesus take over my life I give it to you Lord thank you for all of those here today who've already said that and done that and help us Lord to reach beyond ourselves to fill the boat not with fish but with men and women and boys and girls Lord help us as we continue to build your kingdom through your power and if you're coming in for the first time into a relationship with Christ this is your prayer just pray it in your heart Lord forgive my sins clean me up turn me around take over my life Jesus and show me how to live for you Thank you, Lord, for being with us this morning. Thank you for Peter's adventure in the boat. and Thank you for your love. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you happen to pray that prayer this morning, we have for you out at our Connect tables uh, some New Believer packets that will help you understand the next way to go. In the meantime, we're going to give one of the great songs that I love, We're going to worship God with it, because as I mentioned in the message, it is through the blood of Christ that we have been given our salvation. So why don't you stand and let's worship together.